This is like our this is like a real a real live pro audio sync. We're so NPR. How you like them? The lady with the paper hat asked me as she poured a little more coffee into my cup. As that you say I said as a sad smile spread across her face and I looked up. She said I'd take you to be a soft-boiled man. I don't understand. I reluctantly confessed. She said, I don't mean to upset you, but you've got to know I'm going to have to break a couple of things to make your breakfast. Just glad to see a blue morning and the yellow egg at the break of rain day. But you got to break them before you make them. That's what they say. But you got to break them before you make them. That's what they say. Uh, hello, and welcome to How Do You Like Your Eggs, the show for people who love to eat by people who live to cook. I'm Asher Griffith, your interim apocalyptic host. Jake and Anna couldn't be here because they were turned into frogs by a nasty, nasty fairy. However, Erica Robinette, doula, and newly minted shade tree baker was kind enough to come on. Hello, Erica. Welcome, hello. Welcome to How Do You Like Your Eggs. Thanks for having me. Is baking all you're doing right now? Um, No. It is not. I am doing two other things now, which is birth doula work and also caregiving work. Um, mm. That is a job that I got because of the virus outbreak. Um, I was laid off of my service industry job um, and this other caregiving job fell on my lap because of people that I know do it. And so now twice a week, I go to a woman's house who has dementia and I take care of her for five hours. And it's really sweet because she is so lovely and we just walk around town and sing songs and I make sure she doesn't eat her food too fast. All right. <laughs> I love it. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So that five five hours a day, seven days a week? No, it's just two days a week. So I'm like 10, 10 hours. That fell into your lap because of the COVID outbreak. That's, yeah. car that's career worthy, though. Did, would you call that a pivot for you? Potentially, yeah. Um, I guess it is just kind of like a natural occurring pivot. It's all kind of strange how it's evolved since covid because i was really over my service industry job i wasn't feeling fulfilled i as a birth worker i like need to have something that's like consistent right so it's always been nice to have the service industry and i tend to bake in the service industry field um but now that I have all this time on my hands, I've been really able and available for women who are pregnant and postpartum in a way that I wasn't before because of my job. Um, so having COVID happen and this caretaking job, which is very simple right now, you know, it all just feels so easy and natural. And then I'm also making cookies and cakes when I have the time and 
well, once a week I do a cookie delivery for people mm-hmm. in town. Delicious. Um, yeah, with mm-hmm. my partner who makes fresh bread as well. So that's been kind of a fun thing to do that we started since COVID virus. That is fun. Um, about your about your um, birth work, that's really interesting. I saw like a thing today popped up on Instagram that was like a video about moms trying to give birth during this time. Yeah. That's crazy. So um, <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants Definite, to. <laughs> it's definitely very strange and hard for moms because a lot of times they can't bring someone in with them like a support person in the very beginning like no one could go into the hospital with them so they were all alone Mm -hmm. and that was its own process but now partners can come in but like doulas aren't welcome so we've like shifted to do our services virtually um and for some people that doesn't feel maybe good enough but as we are practicing it i think moms and partners are benefiting from having that access and just still having someone to call and be like, is this normal? What should we do right now? Um, But yeah, just imagine like going into the hospital and labor and everyone's in all of this gear and all you can see is their eyes and you're supposed to wear a mask while you're laboring. And, you know, like to go, go through that process with, with like a normal flow instead of like, feeling fear when you walk into the hospital you know yeah that's harrowing enough and then Mm -hmm. to throw on these extra literal layers and figurative ones yeah yeah navigating it I think has been really challenging for new moms and well I guess all of them but you know I think if this is your very first experience you're just like what the hell yeah. And then also if you're like freshly pregnant, you can't see anybody, so no one can see your belly grow and just the shifts and changes that you're going through like literally all alone. I think it is a challenging time for pregnant people right now. Yeah. Um so reach out to anyone that you know who is pregnant or just had a baby because they're needing lots of support. Jumping back and forth just a little bit here, I guess. Who are you bringing cookies to? Um, people who just sign up for the cookies and bread. So oh, I'm you're a subscription it. service. That's right. <laughs> Diego, my partner, who is Pan Fuerza, has his own CSB. And since the COVID, he's tagged on these sourdough chocolate chip cookies that I've been making. And so anyone mm. who subscribed to his CSB will have that option to order cookies. But then I also do a blast on my Instagram, which is Good Grief Cakes. And I'll be like, here are some cookies this week. And people can place orders. And we were delivering every Sunday. But now we are dropping it off at Sunday's Best in the Marini at Peter Paul Hotel, the ice cream shop that is delicious. They're doing Ooh, a I haven't had of- that yet. Yeah, I just had it for the first time last week. And they're opening up on Sundays, and people can pick up various things from vendors like vegetables, jam, bread, ice cream. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think she's like opened up for people to just come in and get a scoop of ice cream if they want on Sundays. Well, that sounds good. It seems like there are a lot of instances where businesses seem to be doing enough to get by in this situation, but it's almost 
uh, almost every instance that I've heard about so far has been a situation where they're essentially doing counter service. You know what I mean? There's no front of house whatsoever. And I don't even know how that would be feasible. And then in a place like New Orleans, where they're not making very much money anyway, like who are you going to get to do front of house work for, you know, two and a half dollars an hour or less? Right. Yeah, it's interesting to see the shifts right now, because I know of some places that are just like booming and super busy. Small Mart is really busy. I've noticed I've driven past Small Mart and there's like crowds of people, which makes me nervous. But then I'm like, oh, that's great that they're getting so much business. But I heard I thought I had heard of a place that was shut down because of COVID. I think it might be somewhere in some other state. So I'm (laughs) all right. (laughs) Fortunately, yeah, I haven't heard about too many like, well, service industry casualties in terms of like businesses. But obviously, every single person I know who worked in a restaurant nearly is out of work now. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is sad. And it's hard to imagine what that what we'll all come back to in the end. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I try to envision what it will be like to go to a restaurant again and like feel safe and comfortable to like sit down in a group of people Mm -hmm. you know at like what point will I personally feel comfortable to do that yeah that's let alone everyone else right well you I mean you among many many people I think share that exact sentiment it's just like yeah I don't want to go to a restaurant who would so why are we trying to open them right now and I mean clearly it's a it's a dicey move to make it yeah it has caused complications where they've tried and you know what the gains being made are elusive to me at best right i imagine that that won't happen here in new orleans for a while that they won't open up shops because there's so many cases still you know but i did hear someone's argument of how different it is in various places of the country you know like smaller towns don't have that many cases and so they're like yeah i get this virus is spreading but I think it's okay if we like go to a grocery store without mask or if we go to the restaurant because there's maybe one case in the town next to us versus like New Orleans where we like have to be shut down because mm. it's everywhere, you know? There was an outbreak yeah. here. I'm up at my mom's house, by the way, in, at Greer's Ferry. And I'm in, I'm literally in her closet because <laughs> it makes a great sound studio. But um, up here, um, my aunt and uncle, they go to a church that's like at the top of the hill. And that was like a huge outbreak, like one of the biggest ones in Arkansas. Oh, dang. Yeah. Like the whole church basically got COVID. Ooh. And um, and it was no joke. Like I, a couple of them died. Uh, lots oh, of no. them. Lots of them were really sick for a long time in the hospital. It's like and it made it all the way out here somehow. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they all got it because they were all just sitting in the same room. Dang. Did your aunt and uncle get it? They got it. And um, they were sick for a long time, but they're better now. Good. And then right on the heels of that, my uncle had a freaking stroke. (laughs) But Oh, no. He also miraculously survived that guy. That guy's like dodging bullets and dodging them bullets. Dang. (laughs) I'm, I'm sure I've met him before, but I can't remember. It's possible. I mean, that was like 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) It was quite a a while ago. I think it was 13. Maybe, yeah, maybe 12 or 13 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) We can let it be 20 when it's actually 20. (laughs) 
take our time. Yeah, what is the life like up in Arkansas? I'm always so curious the differences. Oh, well, it is um it's strange up here. Uh part of why I said that is just because it's like it feels like business as usual here at mom's mm-hmm. house. It's just like, you know, it's summer vacation except it's lasting a really really long time. And right. um but when we go out to any to the smoke shop or whatever, then like people are wearing masks. We don't go into any stores, even though lots of people do. So yeah, that's another thing. Like you can see a great number of people out here where it's like Trump country and like the political divide between whether or not you take this virus seriously is like so starkly visually apparent as a matter of fact yeah it's kind of um i I can't remember if i've mentioned this in a previous episode or not but maybe it bears mentioning again there's a place called jack's up here Uh, the two places where we go like to get gas station type stuff there's a place called jack's and there's another place that's just called like fairfield bay gas station or whatever and Mm -hmm. jack's was recently purchased by a latino man and um, apparently a lot of people were kind of like, no, we're not going to Jack's anymore. He's, you know, stealing our jobs or whatever. And so if you go to the, yeah, if you go to the Jack's store, like a majority of people will be wearing masks while they shop there. And if you go to the other store, the one, I guess, owned by white people, no one wears a mask. And I mean... Potentially, this could be anecdotal, but it's an observation that like I have repeated on several occasions. Yeah, so fascinating. I'm curious. I can assume the reasoning behind that, not the reasoning, but like the logistics for people of what, why. But I'm, I am really curious. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I didn't do any. I went. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> don't I, I would suggest surveying outside <laughs> of the gas stations. <laughs> Um, are you wearing? To... Are you not wearing a mask because you're a racist? <laughs> right. <laughs> They'd appreciate oh, that. No. <laughs> yeah, that would stir up some stuff. I mean, it would be a good conversation to have for sure. Mm. But right now, maybe not. Not in the heat of it, you know. Yeah. Forgive our reminiscing and then waxing partisan or scientific, depending on who you trust. We'll get this train back on the track in just a minute, but if for some reason you like that, you can facilitate even more great content by tossing a few scraps over to the emaciated, flea-festooned kitten that is our podcast network by becoming a cicada tier at patreon.com slash radio. A pledge of even as little as a dollar a month means the world to us and gets you swag. Speaking of even more great audio from our studios, we are absolutely tickled to announce our latest offering from a talented new producer. Open up your ears and get a noggin full of this. He is a very limited producer and a writer of weak, unimaginative songs. If they are to help fill the void created by the demise of his former band, they will have to find a producer and editor and some material worthy of their collective attention. That was part of a record review from a 1969 issue of Rolling Stone. The album? Led Zeppelin's self-titled debut. The he in question is, of course, the legendary guitarist and songwriter Jimmy Page. Americans have a love and hate relationship with popular music. What is at one moment in time considered cacophonous drivel is later hailed as a masterpiece. Maybe it's because songs themselves are so complicated by nature. 
There are these little pockets of expression that try to sum up a complex emotion in four minutes of tape. They take us from long and winding roads to endless love, from places like Suffragette City to Funky Town. In this podcast, a computer will choose two completely random songs from one completely random year of the Billboard Hot 100 list. And we're going to try to figure out why these songs made folks dance, or laugh, or cry, or fall in love. Or maybe, why they just couldn't get them out of their heads. I'm a songwriter. My name is Micah McKee. And this is the first episode of American 100. Listen at cicadaradio.com slash American 100. That's cicadaradio.com slash American 100. Or wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. I went to the post office the other day, which I didn't think I would do during this time because I'm terrified of public places. But I, so I went to the one on Bayou St. John, and of course, there's like a long line. And I was mm. like, nope, not going to do that. I heard the Araby post office is super chill. Araby post office, FYI, always super chill. I used to live <laughs> in the lower ninth, so that was my stomping grounds. So I drove all the way to the Araby post office, and of course, like no one's there, but the few people that got out of the car weren't wearing masks, weren't wearing gloves. Like the difference between the post office and Bayou St. John were like everyone's suited covered up, up mm-hmm. spaced out versus Airby, which is just a few miles away, you know, mm-hmm. just like a guy got out of his car and left the truck running and went into the post office. I was like, that would never happen <laughs> if I use St. John. <laughs> what the hell? Like, so different and only a few miles apart. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that was a wake-up call for sure. The cultural dichotomies of Southeast Louisiana. The divides are deep and wide. I usually... We've been talking for uh, about 20 minutes now, I think. And... I usually wrap up the show, or it, it is a part of a part of the show's format, to wrap up with two questions at the end, and they are question A: If you could give yourself any advice, like concerning your career, uh, give your younger self some advice. Do you know what that would be? Hmm. I. I mean, this is in regards to just life and career and everything is don't be afraid to be yourself. I think that's something that I'm realizing now that I've entered my 30s is that I was like terrified to be me. You know, I'm such a people pleaser that I've said yes to everything, um, did things that I thought people would like about me. So and now I'm like, no. Just do what you actually want to do and be who you actually are. And you're going to screw up and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to piss people off. But we're human and that's part of the process. Don't be afraid to be yourself. <laughs> that's very good. That's very good. Yeah. Um, all right. So question two is um, <laughs> it's uh, what's your favorite place to eat right now in New Orleans? I know that's tough. Given, given sure. the uh, po- paucity of choices, but... Well, there's only one place that I've ordered from, mm-hmm. and it's been once, and it was very intentional because it is my favorite place in town. Mm-hmm. It's Addie Snola, 
the Ethiopian place that opened up on Broad Street. Oh, I haven't had that either. Addis? It's Addis or Addis? I honestly, I'm not completely sure how to say it. Right. But it is so good. And I actually have a little fun story. I went there on my birthday last year with a group of friends and... The man sitting next to us, who was sitting alone, ended up picking up our tab. Nice. He paid for the whole thing and walked out and didn't tell any of us. And we found out when we went to pay, and the waitress was like, "Your tab has been paid for by that man who was sitting there." And we were all like, "What?" That's awesome. He heard you <laughs> yeah, say it, it was, was your birthday, probably. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think he definitely knew. It was obvious. Nice. That's cool. I'm excited to get back and. Try some, try some, <laughs> something that is not just home food. That would be yeah. not, <laughs> nice. Have some variety for sure. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, like uh, uh, the thing that I feel like I kind of am missing more than anything else right now is just like, I want to go to just like one of those kind of grimy Tex-Mex joints and have like a giant goblet of frozen margarita and like the burrito the burrito with the sauce mm-hmm. on top ground beef inside and the mm-hmm. refried beans and the yellow rice that's what i want <laughs> and i want like in, in infinite cups of salsa and queso you can probably find that where you're at oh yeah it's right? here but they're not open yeah. i Good. can't go into there and get that yeah yeah you know what I mean? The whole the whole sitting down and eating all of the chips, like multiple baskets, baskets of uh-huh. chips and salsa with, yeah, endless margarita. Heard that. Mm-hmm. I miss those days, too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> those are good Little times. <laughs> I really took that for, bit, for granted. Yeah. Um, okay. So also, um, since you heard the... Are you going to ask me how I like my... Oh, sorry. Your eggs? How do, all right. How do, who do, do you like your eggs? <laughs> um, I like my eggs in a hole. Ah, yes. Egg in a hole. That seriously, I eat it every day, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I def- I definitely did for a while. I would uh take the egg, put it in the bread, and um wait for a couple of minutes. Put some Munster cheese on top of that. Whoa. Oh yeah. Make it like kind of like a. Uh, Coke Monsieur with no soup, Whoa. I guess, <laughs> or <Whoa>. something. <laughs> fancy. It's um, very fancy. Yeah. Um, my favorite way, my favorite way to eat eggs right now is uh, just sunny side up, real mm. rare. Slices of tomato. The tomatoes are starting to get good up here, Ooh. and a little bit of cottage cheese on the side. Wow. Salt, black pepper. Yep, I was going to say salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. There you go. Real good. That uh, does sound really nice. Yeah, I ate that actually just a little while before I got on this call with you. Are they fresh farm eggs? Yeah. Does from, your mom have chickens? She has like 30 chickens and we of course. we get like two dozen eggs every day. And uh, anyway, the chickens are really great. They're fun and they're cute. And uh, they uh, produce so many delicious eggs for us um which is kind of ironic because like the show there's always like this sort of centerpiece of eggs which hasn't really been present as much since i took the helm just because i can't can't give you an egg 
you know, I can't cook an egg for you, mm. which is usually what happens. I cook an egg for the, or I don't, Jake does. Jake cooks an egg for the guest. And yeah, I miss that. Like I sort of, I, I'm glad you asked me about the eggs because I've sort of like let the egg fall out of focus, you know? And like, I'm, and I've been doing so, back. so many interviews lately. Like they're, it all kind of bleeds together. I'm sure I'm repeating myself and like, Without that anchor, maybe that's the problem. Maybe I need to make sure that the egg remains the anchor. Maybe put a little, draw a little picture of an egg by your recording table. Uh -huh. and, I could and just have get, I could just get an egg and set it on a, set it on a tiny, you know, a tiny like little pedestal of some sort. Yeah. You could even boil it and carry it around with you like your pet. I used to do that as a kid. I, drew, I would draw a face like a pet rock. I had a yeah, pet egg pet for egg. sure. <laughs> it had a bed. It had outfits. That thing came with me everywhere. Oh, nice. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little inspiration for you, Asher. Uh -huh. I feel like that might have happened to me when I was in elementary school. Not like that didn't happen to me. We were told to <laughs> we were told to take care of an egg <laughs> like when we got, egg found you yeah <laughs> but we got like you know a grade or something at the end of the week if our egg survived and... <laughs> yeah mm. i wonder if it was raw eggs maybe i'm getting it wrong that it was like an actual raw egg that you had to like carry with you and bring places and uh-huh and you and just had so of... much fun caring for the egg that you did started doing it as a hobby, kind of, huh? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely roots okay. to, like, the way that your uh, life direction kind of wound up evident there, you know? Yeah. No, for real. I was obsessed with dolls when I was little. Like, I would put my – well, I would put my cat in a stroller and walk it around the neighborhood when I was, like, four years old. Mm -hmm. You know, like I always just was into babies. I right. guess. <laughs> I mean, they're, so, I like them. They're sense. they're cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're so cool. <laughs> yeah, there's well, something that's for sure. Right. <laughs> well, the <laughs> the thing that I was actually going to ask you uh, was, um, what's your favorite story about maggots? Oh, gross. <laughs> Do I have a maggot story? You know, I don't, I can't think of a specific story of maggots, but I can tell you what I don't like because of maggots. All right. And that's composting. I've become like, I, I mean, I'm all for composting, but I like put, it on to the duties on to other people like right now my partner I'm like okay I'm down to throw my scraps into a bin but I am not touching that bin afterward because of the amount of maggots that come out of it if you just like if it becomes full and you forget to like put it into the compost pile especially in New Orleans like the maggots can grow within like an hour it seems you oh, know wow. and there's been yeah. so many times in composting that I've opened up my bucket and it's just full and I have to carry that full bucket of maggots just a, a writhing bucket full, <laughs> filled with and they get on me and it's just like <laughs> this is traumatizing <laughs> I hate this experience that sounds very that sounds traumatizing I wouldn't be able to deal with that either but then <laughs> afterward every time I just like rinse off the bucket and I'll walk back home because there's been places where like the compost pile isn't like 
next to the house. You kind of have to like walk to a different part of the mm. house or the yard to get to it. But then once when I rent it off, there's something really rewarding and like satisfying from the process of like, I just got all this rotten food and maggots on me. Like they got on my feet, they got on my hands a little bit. But now that I've rinsed it off, it's fine. Like I wash my hands and I'm okay. Mm -hmm. So you're like extra, extra clean. (laughs) And I'm like proud of myself for doing it. But me getting myself to go through that process, not like I, you really have to push me or I have to push myself. Yeah. It's like, I I guess that's like me and running. It's, it's a very rewarding experience. But yes. it is very, very hard to start. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel about putting compost into a compost uh, pile. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on my show. It's good to see you. Yeah, thanks for asking me. You've been listening to How Do You Like Your Eggs. I'm Asher Griffith, and I produce this episode with the help of our beloved Cicada Kateers. You can become a Cicada Kateer, too, at patreon.com slash cicada radio. We love you, so stay safe out there as your restaurants begin to open and wash your hands, wear your damn mask, and tune in next time to How Do You Like Your Eggs? Just glad to see blue morning and yellow egg at the break of This is Cicada Radio. Sing, love, die. (coughs) I choked on my spit. (coughs) (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah.